Levite. And our scripture reading this morning is from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. These words are true, and they can be trusted. Sorry. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you, and I'm so grateful for your grace. God, we ask in your name like a divine therapeutic, the charity of God as you came down, Emmanuel, baby Jesus, I pray like a divine therapeutic, you would continue to do a grand healing with us as humans. If you would just ask, say, Spirit, speak to me. Pray for the people next to you. Just ask God's Spirit, speak to them. Moms, dads, pray for your kids. Ask that God would speak to them. Kids, pray for your parents. Ask that God would speak to them. Lord, in your name, you do what only you can do. We pray for the people around us that you would move in ways that only you can. In your glorious name, Jesus, amen. You guys are great. You can have a seat. It is good to be with you all yeah, in the house of the Lord. I love it. It's been a great morning so far. Uh, God is moving, doing, doing good things, man. So Josh, thank you for leading worship. You do such a great job. Uh, I'm excited to get into today's message. Uh, we are in a series, the big, for those that have been in the church for a while, we are in a kind of the, the grand story. Uh, we have been looking at each of the large transitions in scripture and studying them over the course of the whole year. And uh, currently in this Advent season, we are looking at Advent post the ascension. I know that sounds kind of funny. It's like Jesus has already gone up into heaven. That's where we're at in the Bible. Uh, but we're looking at it during the Advent season. And, and here's why. We actually can identify really well with those that were waiting on Jesus to come the first round. We know what it's like to wait and long for Jesus. Who here is ready for Jesus to come back? Amen. Right? Anybody that's looking at the news, um, the difficulty of life, if you got loved ones that are sick, whatever it is, right? Like you're just looking at the complexity of the world and you're like, you know, today, if you want it to be your day, I'd be okay with that. Um, and so like, absolutely, we can identify with those that were waiting on Christ the first round. We are now waiting on Christ the second round. In this season of waiting, he has given us some tools to wait really well uh, because the therapeutic of the charity of the Trinity through the work of Jesus Christ, that's a complex sentence, um, is being played out and he has given us wonderful tools to be able to wait well, and one of them is 
the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest gifts God has given us to wait well for his second arrival is the gift of the the Holy Spirit. Okay, so pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit is a wildly complex, ultra thick, had numerous classes on it. And every time somebody makes a real strong assertion in like in writings, like the Holy Spirit is this, somebody else comes along and goes, that's not exactly right. Right. So, um, Please bear with me as I take a complex thing like the Holy Spirit and just try to dwindle it down in one week to a big prime idea. So please, please be gracious with me. Uh, let me, let me kind of offer the whole purpose of this morning uh, with a question. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit through scripture is, uh, we translate the word, the paraclete, when it comes along, we translate it helper. The Holy Spirit is often called the helper. The Greek word that's, at least in the New Testament, when they talk about the Spirit, the Greek word for helper in John 15, 26 specifically, which we'll read again here in a second and was just read, uh, the paraclete, parakletos, like this Greek word, the term is often translated as helper, depending on the translation, or advocate or comforter in English versions of the Bible. It carries the connotation of someone who offers assistance and support or counsel in the context of this verse that is obviously referring to the, to the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let me see if I can pull this together with some uh, word pictures. I've got an actual picture I want to show you. Uh, check this out. This is a, look at, look at that little girl. Aww. Oh, that's... That's my, that's my, that's baby of my family. So the fifth in my lineup, the youngest, little Julia. And uh, I, I love, those of you that have been in the church know this, I love being outside. It is, I just, who here loves outside? Like you just, you cannot be outside enough. Me too. I love being outside. I love hiking. I love exploring things. I have been all over hiking with my children, even my older ones now. Gosh, I mean, every one of my kids I have packed in mountains somewhere and been all over the hills with them, right? Like uh, over the mountains. So that's been great. And so even here, we, we weren't like hiking, hiking on big trails, but we decided to go out and just let Julia explore. Do you remember, moms and dads, do you remember, or grandmas and grandpas, do you remember taking your two-year-old outside just to play? Everything, everything is exciting and new. Everything is an aha moment. So we're out on this little walking trail with Julia and we're playing and, uh, and she's so fun to watch because it's like every little thing is like a bug. And she's like, dada, 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 come here, it's a bug. I'm like, it's a bug, you know. And then, you know, and then you go a little further down the trail and it's like a new flower she's never seen. And she's like, dada, dada, come here, come here. It's a flower. It's like, it's a flower, you know. In fact, while we were out on this little walking trail, there was like this little creek that was going by. And, uh, and so she wanted to take, you can see, see her, little, her little shoes down there. Like, the, like the, they're the like waterproof ones. You can take them on and off easily. And so it's got a Hello Kitty on the, on the toe of the little girls. And uh, so we go over to the water's edge on this trail. And there's this little creek. And, and she wanted her shoes off, shoes off. So it's like, okay. So we take her shoes off. And the water's going by. And she like gets them wet and she gets all excited and plays and then she steps out and just giggles and laughs and gets her feet wet and giggles and laughs and comes. Okay. I have finally gotten old enough. I look at that and I think 
I'm a little jealous of how exciting the world is to a little girl. Like what, it's something in me has grown weary and old and I miss that inquisitive playfulness. So we're out playing. She is literally having a ball, exploring everything, laughing, shoes, on, off, in, flowers, bugs, you name it. You know, and man, if a butterfly comes by, the world has come to a stop just for this beautiful, I mean, just amazing. And so now if you look closely, you'll also notice we are now walking on concrete. We're off the trails. Here's what's happening. I had my phone out. I've been taking pictures. And she's just giggling and laughing. I think she's a little further back with mom who's in this service. Hi, honey. And uh, playing around in the back, having a great time. And we walk out in the parking lot, busy parking lot full of cars moving in and out. And this little girl comes running. I hear her giggling and laughing coming, running up beside me. And I see her coming and I look at the cars and we're now in, getting into the parking lot. I look at her and I look at the cars and I go, Hold my hand, hold my hand. And as she's coming by, you can see it right there. As she's coming by me, she looks up and she smiles and she grabs two of my fingers. And I caught the picture. Now, you know what I did next? I tempered her pace and redirected her so she wouldn't get hit by a car. Here's a really important thing to know as we get into this idea of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come, don't miss this, the Holy Spirit doesn't come to help you center your life around you. The Holy Spirit comes to help direct your steps towards God or what is good. I was reading through a bunch of articles and uh, oh bloggers, oh my goodness man, the fact and I can even write blogs, so I'm shaming all this. But the fact that like YouTube influencers and bloggers shape theology now is literally really sad on a whole lot of ways, in a whole lot of ways. Um, I was reading through, and the way they were talking about the Holy Spirit in these Christian blogs is the Holy Spirit, the implication, not explicit, but the implicit idea is that the Holy Spirit is to come along and help you do you. That's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't trying to come to help you center your life more around you and your will and what you want. The Holy Spirit has a primary purpose and it is to direct your paths towards what is ultimately good, which is God. So the work of the Holy Spirit for one person might be a, go ahead, speed up, and it might be the work of God that gets in the way of what you want if what you want isn't good for you. That first idea is so important. The work of the Holy Spirit, the primary work of the Spirit is to direct you towards what is good, to come alongside, to lead you towards what is good. It is not just to help you do you. All right, so let's do a quick survey of the Bible really fast and buzz through some of the big ways in which the Holy Spirit directs our path. This is literally a brief survey. Each of these points could be a whole sermon and a couple of them could be a whole series of sermons. But John 15, 26 through 27 
I want to start there. But when the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you. So where does the Holy Spirit come from? From the Father. The Spirit of truth, the Spirit is what shows us what is true, proceeds from the Father, the Scripture says, and he will bear witness about me. So it reveals, the Holy Spirit reveals what is true about the world, what is true about you, what is true about the universe, what is true about purpose and your purpose. The Holy Spirit is a revealer of what is true. And you also will bear witness, right? So the idea is the Holy Spirit draws you into God's purpose. The Holy Spirit doesn't ratify your purpose in a sense. He pulls you and your uniqueness into God's purpose because you have been with me from the beginning. So a quick survey of the Bible. How does God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, pull us into alignment with him and his will? Here's seven quick things. I'm going to go through these fast. A quick survey of the Bible that gives us evidence of what the Holy Spirit is helping us to do. Number one, the Holy Spirit opens our minds and hearts to understand God. I have a number of scriptures listed. I'm just going to read one for the sake of time. You can download the notes if you want to look at more of them. 2 Peter 1.21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had those moments where you're, if, if, you, if you're a Christian, you definitely have had these. Where you're reading through the Bible, spending time in prayer, making your way through scripture, and you come across something and it's like, oh, that aha, I'd not thought about it that way. It's like your eyes, spiritual eyes are opened at a new level. That is a work of the Holy Spirit. And enlightening, it's a mystery, but it is a work of the Holy Spirit. The second thing that I would say too, and again, each of these could be their own sermons, just a quick survey. The second thing I would say is the Holy Spirit empowers us to do God's work. The Holy Spirit empowers you to do God's work. The Holy Spirit empowers you to do God's work. There's a lot of scriptures here. I'm just going to read one of them, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So going with that as a framework for how we view the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's carried out to our context. Our church is full of wonderful people from all kinds of different backgrounds. We have lawyers and doctors and police officers and teachers and people that are in sales. And I mean, all across the board, we have high school students, we have college students, all across the board, we have all these people, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, all over, all kinds of different jobs, all kinds of different work, real estate, you name it, we've got them all in our church. One of the primary works of the Holy Spirit is to bring the will of God into your place, Jerusalem, Jesus, Samaria, whatever it is, wherever it is, even around the world, bringing the work and way of God into that. So for you, it might be this. You begin to lean into this idea as you're driving to work, wherever it is, office, hospital, police station, fire, whatever, firehouse, as you're driving into work or you're driving to school or in the high school, you're even, maybe you're even riding the bus to school, you begin to think through this lens. Lord, in your name, Help me to see and do your good work here. Show me places where I can bring your nature and heart into my place of work. That's a part of the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I've talked with wonderful people in our congregation that do this in really cool ways. Even people in our own congregation, one of the physicians, we have a number of physicians that go to the church. And one of the physicians is telling me that he uses their, the 
people's charts as a prompt to pray. Now, if you're like a surgeon, most of the time you're with the people, they're out. But you can still pray for them, right? Like, so it's like when you're pulling up a chart, one of the physicians does this. They pull up a chart and as you're like going through to your next person, you pull up the chart, you, use, you teach yourself to use that chart as a prompt to pray. So it's like, Lord, in your name, this person, if, if he does know him, if he doesn't, I just ask God in your name that, that you would move in their lives, that you would a prompt to pray. Years ago, I talked to the police officer who told me that he uses arrests as a prompt to pray. It's like, how does that, how does that work? <laughs> so, but I guess, I mean, he's like, whenever I make an arrest and it's like somebody's in the car, um, I just, in my mind and in my heart, of course, there's all kinds of legal craziness that goes along, but it's like, I just use that arrest as a prompt to pray. And when I'm driving down the road, it's like, Lord, whatever complex, difficult, hard situations led to this moment in this person's life, I ask God that you would move. I don't know where they've been abandoned. I don't know where they've been hurt. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what addiction. I don't know what has happened to them or what they've done. Like, I mean, maybe you do know what they've done. If you did the arrest, you got to know something. But like, he uses it as a prompt to pray. And so part of the work of the Holy Spirit is literally to shape our hearts and minds that you are now not just receivers of the grace of God, but you are thinking like a conduit of the grace of God in every unique thing that each of you do. You are called to be agents of hope in all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. God has shaped you and crafted you to carry his good work into it. Man alive, um, like a painter, maybe you're a painter. And maybe what you do is as you paint the walls of that house, you're just like, Lord, as I paint these walls, you cover this home with your love and grace. Man, you begin to think like a minister of the gospel in whatever job you do. If you're a teacher, that is part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to help you do it in your context. Uh, the third thing that I would say is this. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf before God, Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, there, this, is actually, this is actually a pretty complex verse with nuance to it. I'm going to hit just one angle of it. Uh, and, and here's how I'll do it. If you've been uh, in moments, and especially people that are older in the church know this, but even young people can too, where you are so weary, exhausted, worn out, hurt, anxious, afraid, those moments where you can't sleep and your knees hit the floor and you're like, I don't even know what to say. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to perfectly interpret the complexity of your hard moments to the God who literally creates all beautiful things. And the reason this is good news is because for us as Christians, the Holy Spirit makes this a reality. You don't have to pray perfect prayers to have a perfect God perfectly understand you. Do you know how good of news that is? The Spirit works as 
a person who represents us well to God and God's will well to us. The fourth thing that I would offer to you is this. The Holy Spirit is comforter and counselor. And I get that there's overlap, but I wanted to give this uh, unique spot in the sermon, though it is overlap with the last idea. And there are quite a few texts. I'm going to read just John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay, so the word comforter and counselor that you see on the screen In a biblical way, this is not merely about you feeling good. Often in our modern day and age, we think about a counselor. I go to a counselor. I don't feel good about myself. I want to feel good about myself. In a biblical context, comforter and counselor is more about one who leads you into what is true. In fact, the word confession in the Bible, confession in its most simple form is literally just speaking what is true. You are stating what is true. Uh, I've been in ministry long enough now uh, that I have, I've been able to read about an event that happens in the newspaper and then actually meet people that had the event happen. And when I meet the people and you read it in the newspaper, you step back. And actually every time that I could recall when I was thinking about this, I think, wow, these are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. And then the question goes through your mind, what is true? What can you trust? Is it Fox News's version or CNN's version or NPR's version or whatever? Like, what is true? What can you trust? And we live in a day and age where what we are taught to trust, what is most true is us, what we want, our desires I want. In fact, I was driving down the road and uh, my uh, number four in my lineup, Kara, She's almost old enough I can't use her in illustrations anymore, but I, I got at least a few more weeks left before it. But we were driving down the road and little Care Bear, she's my seven-year-old, she was really frustrated about something. And, uh, and she made a statement about the world that was false. It was a non-true statement about the world. So I'm driving down the road and I was like, why do you think that? And she goes, Daddy, it's true. And I was like, why do you think it's true? And she says, because it's true to me. And I thought, that is a picture of 99.9% America that live in the West today. And so, you know what I told her? I'm driving down the road. This is the problem when your dad's a pastor. (laughs) I'm driving down the road. And I said, did you know what is most true doesn't come from you? What is most true doesn't come from you. You might truly have a perspective, but it's just that, a perspective. What is most true doesn't come from you, my dear. We believe that what is most true comes from God. And the enemy, literally his name, Satan, the Satan, the deceiver, the accuser, he is fervently working to twist what is true. And the Holy Spirit, the comforter and counselor, is not coming along just to help you feel good about you. The Holy Spirit is coming along to help you know what is true and align you with it. 
the Holy Spirit is the comforter and the counselor. It's not just about making you feel good. It is about aligning you with what is true. Uh, number five, the fifth thing that I read, there's so much more I could add to that. Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. I'm going to read just John 16, 8, though there are other scriptures that you could look up for sure. And when he comes, talking about he, he will convict, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. This is about learning to listen to the Spirit's prompt. Now, you know this, even though you might not have thought about it. There's so many examples I could use. The internet is a great one because it's around us all the time. Have you ever been like on your computer or on your phone and something inside you is like, ooh, I want to go to this website. And you know it's not, it's not a good website or place or download an app or engage in whatever, right? You know it's not good. And you feel this prompt in your spirit that goes, uh-uh. Did you know that that prompt is a gift of God to protect you? And did you know that you should grow in your ability to listen to the prompts of God? You're literally praying, God, help me to be able to hear your prompt and respond to it in a way that glorifies you, protects my life, and makes you ever more famous known and leads me to truth. Right? Like, give me the capacity to respond to those prompts. Now, here's even the scarier thing. You can ignore the prompt of the Spirit over and over and over. You can teach yourself to ignore it as you can teach yourself to listen to it. But that prompt of the Spirit is a gift of God Learn to listen to the prompts of the Spirit. Just like my little girl running past me into a busy parking lot and I look down and I go, baby girl, Julia, hold daddy's hand. And with that big smile, she reaches up and grabs my fingers. And what do I do? I temper her and I aim her because I love her. You have got to learn to listen to the prompts and reach up and go, okay, I feel that prompt in my heart. I kind of want to go here, but I got the prompt in my spirit. I got to grow in my capacity to reach up and grab hold of. The sixth thing I would say, again, you could do a whole series on that one idea there. There's a lot more. But the sixth thing I would say is this, the Holy Spirit regenerates and sanctifies us. Uh, there are a lot of scriptures I could go to. I'm going to read just Titus 3, 5. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Whew, this is a mystery. It really is. And if you've been walking with the Lord very long, it's sometimes it's hard to see that you do have moments where it's like a regenerative thing happens in an instant. That definitely does happen. But for most of us, most of our regeneration that we're aware of, like that changing in us, this mystery growth, it's like if you've been a Christian, even now, I mean, if you're in your 40s or 50s, right, 60s, whatever, and you look back and you've been a Christian, like through high school all the way up, you look back at how you acted when you were 18, 19, 20, the things you did in college, and you're looking at your life now and you're like, wow, I am not the same person. That's right. You're not. When you started following God, I mean, like a therapeutic that really can fix what is making us sick, it is dropped into your bloodstream to go with the metaphor. And over time, you are being, you are being made new. A sanctification is happening. You are being changed. And it is a mystery. 
and it is gloriously good, and that work belongs to the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And you know what? Even if you're in your 40s or 50s, if you continue to lean into the Holy Spirit and continue to grow, you're going to get another 10 years down the road or another 15 years down the road, and you're going to look back and be like, wow, I'm not the same person. Yup. Because the Holy Spirit is continuing to regenerate and grow and sanctify and move you closer to the likeness of God. It's glorious. It's a good thing. It's a mystery that belongs to God. Uh, Number seven is this. I'm going to invite Josh up. We're going to pull some of these ideas to a, a close here in a minute. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts to do his good work. To do whose good work? Whose good work? Yeah, his work. He's gifting you to do his work. He's gifting you to do his work. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll just read an excerpt out of it. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. God gave us gifts not to compete with each other, but to complement us and make us whole. Uh, my wife's in this service, so I'll use her as an illustration. Uh, I hope it's okay. I didn't ask for permission with this one. My wife and I are very different in some ways. Yeah, very different, very different. Uh, she really could have been like a nun. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, it's just a, like, she just, she has this like contemplative, I might be in trouble for, I'm already halfway down this road. I'm just going to keep going. It's not even in my notes. It's third service. They get it all. I'm so sorry. Um, listen, I really love you. This is, it's going to be a compliment. You just got to wait a second. It's going to get there. <laughs> So, my wife and I are very different. She has this like contemplative, we, I mean, we, are, we overlap. Like we both like the dead authors. We like the dead guys. I like them because I find them interesting. So I like to read, you know, Thomas Kempis or Ignatius or Benedict or whoever. I like all the old dead authors. She does too. I like them because they're interesting. She likes them because, oh gets to her heart. Like she just, oh, I so understand Teresa Velia. Just my heart is there. I get it. And the interior castle and all that. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Like she like had this like waste. I mean, we just, even how we view that stuff is so different. And uh, it's easy for me and my uniqueness. Like I am a driver. I am... I'm on. Like, it's just, I'm, I'm type A. I like to get stuff done. I like it. So when COVID hits, you know, I'm an engine. It's awesome. All of a sudden, I have full control of my time. Like, my, I, I drill down my diet. Like, I already work out and I'm healthy and I like it. It's fun for me to do. I got my body fat down so low because, like, I literally could, ever, I didn't have to go out to eat with any of you. And when I had control, like I could drill down my diet. My health was impeccable. My, like I was working on the doctorate. Like, I mean, I was a machine. Like every day was like, let's go. I mean, I got this. It was amazing. You know, and my wife, like in Templeton, she's like, I just feel for all these people in the world. and the So it's like, she's getting depressed and I'm just coming alive, baby. And, the, and so she's just made, she has, this, she has this huge compassionate. She drags me to things that are, that I always bemoan going into, but she knows they're good for me. And honestly, if it wasn't my wife, I probably wouldn't say yes to them. But she likes to take me to like 24-hour prayer solitude retreats. 
So we go like to a monastery and we go to, and every time, every time she's like, hey, I put it on our calendar. We're going to go do a prayer and solitude thing and we're not going to talk to anyone. We're just going to do like prayer labyrinths and spend time with God and all this ancient church stuff. Every time they come around, I think, I don't have the time for this. I don't have the time for this. But we go. And her uniqueness draws me into spiritual places with God. I always come away going, I'm so glad she's not like me. And I need people different than me. I told you it was going to turn nice. I need people different than me. God uniquely gifts us in so many different ways. Not to compete with each other, but to complement the body of Christ. That she, the body of Christ, might be this glorious, complex mosaic of the beauty of God. That's a gift of the Spirit. It's a gift of the Spirit. And I'm really glad you didn't become a nun. <laughs> Marriage and kids, it's a good thing. Like, oh, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I want you to imagine with me maybe a really good metaphor to close this out would be um, a trampoline. My kids, uh, we used to have a trampoline. My older kids grew up with a trampoline and they're good. They can do like flips and stuff on it. It's a miracle they didn't break a bone. The boys were not safe on that thing for sure. And I want you to imagine a trampoline and I take like a, like a can full of BBs, like the little tiny BBs, and I just toss it out and they roll all over the trampoline. I mean, some of them are close to the edge, some of them are near the center, the BBs are all over there. I want you to pretend like I come along with like a jug of like marbles and I add that to the mix and there are all these marbles rolled out all over there too. And then maybe I even take like a, like a big bucket of like Nerf balls, like maybe, or baseball size, you know, things and Nerf balls and they're about that. And I throw that out on there and they all roll over there too. So this trampoline is like covered with all of these different balls, different sizes. All of these balls represent us. We're all unique. Some of you are tiny and compact and others are big and fluffy. I don't know. But like the, the whole big thing, the whole big trampoline full of all of you and all of your uniqueness. Imagine with me that the center of the trampoline is like presence with God. When we talk about the Holy Spirit doing his good work, imagine that I took a big heavy bowling ball and I put it right in the middle of the trampoline and just set it down, all of a sudden there becomes like a gravity that starts to pull all of these unique balls in all these unique places. It begins to pull them all towards the place where God is at. So you can't say things like the Holy Spirit is always making people bold. I mean, the reality is, for that gravity, wherever you're at and your uniqueness and how you're made, for one person, the Holy Spirit's work might be like, you need to speak up and be bold. And then you might go over here and the Holy Spirit's work is literally like, you need to stop talking and step back. So you can't say the Holy Spirit is always making people bold or always, no, the Holy Spirit is always drawing people closer to God. That's the work of the Spirit. And it might look one way here and it might look a little bit different over here, but the purpose is to bring you into the presence of God. That's why you can't say things. I mean, like, like for one person, the work of the Holy Spirit might be, I'm going to give this person all kinds of resources. 
they're going to have a ton of money and I'm going to give them a charitable heart and I'm going to bless what they put their hands to when it comes to things like making money or business. And I want them to do, that's how I want God to work in their heart. And the next person over here, God knows their propensity to materialism and how easy it is for them to become obsessed with things. And it is the love of God that takes it all away from you. Because the Holy Spirit isn't about just giving you money or taking it away. It's, I mean, it's about pulling you closer to God. And it's going to look unique and different for all of you in different places. The Holy Spirit is the gravity that pulls us closer to God. And it will be unique. It will be unique. Let me... Let me put the picture back up here again, if you don't mind. There, there, look at the baby girl. I just like looking at the picture. She's so sweet. Jonathan Edwards, I like the dead guys. My favorite authors are the dead authors. Jonathan Edwards says that the Holy Spirit is the delight of God poured out on humanity. I love that language, the delight of God. Here's what he means by this. This is so good. That little girl has just explored the world. She is high on butterflies, bugs, flowers, and a creek. Running around like mad, going nuts, and we're walking into the parking lot and there's cars pulling out. And that little joyful, giggling little face, I hear it coming up behind me and I've got my camera and I look down at her and I go, whoa, whoa, grab daddy's hands. And she reaches up and I clicked it at the perfect moment where she reaches up, look how happy she is. She grabs daddy's hands and you know what I do? I temper her and I aim her so she doesn't get hit by the car. I'm not mad at her. I don't belittle her. I don't think she's a dummy or to be put down. No, I so deeply love her. It is my joy to Paracletos to come alongside her. It is my joy to hold her hand. It is my joy to keep her from danger. It is my joy to direct her paths. It is my joy poured out over her. I love her. Do you understand? This is a picture of you and the Holy Spirit. of you with God for forever. The place where all the beauty comes from leading and directing and guiding you. Not belittling, not putting you down, not making fun of you joyously taking your hand. This is the work of the Spirit.
would definitely run into cars if it wasn't for this grace. And he'll stop you from running into cars, not because he doesn't like you, but literally because of his love for you. That's the work of the Spirit. At this point, at this point, one of the common questions that I get asked, and it's usually from good-hearted, passionate Christians. This is a common question from good-hearted, passionate Christians. Pastor Mike, I'm praying for clarity on something, and I feel like God hasn't made a way yet. So it's like, I want to honor God. I would love it. I would love to honor God. I would love to do more for the kingdom. And I'm praying for him to give me direction. And I would love for God to just do something magnificent. It's like, I I feel like I don't know what it is. I don't know where it is. I feel like I'm just sitting in neutral, doing nothing. And and I want to do more for the kingdom. And God isn't making a way. Pastor Mike, I'm praying for clarity on something. I feel like God hasn't made a way yet. We were talking about this with the worship arts team. And Josh and Mike Schultz and the rest of the team. This was a great conversation. And basically, the answer to that is is this. Are you ready? This is the answer to it. What is the last place of obedience that he has made clear? Be faithful there until he actually makes a new way. I can give you an example in my own life. I love making, starting, entrepreneur, whatever. I love that stuff. It's fun to plant a church with Andy or launch something downtown or do a new mission field or bring in a new, like I like doing all that stuff. It's super fun for me. Whenever we've done a new campus or new whatever, I like that. I like it. So I'm always going before, before the Lord praying, what do you want me to do? 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 I'm always doing this before God, always. What do you want me to do? And I was praying that again. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Should I do something new? Should I do something big? Should I start something else? Should I whatever? Like, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear. You ready for this? Be a daddy. And I'm like, well, I, I, already, I already got that one going. He's like, yep. Keep going. Be a daddy. I'm like, okay, well, what else? And he's like, I, I, this, in my heart, like I was in tears when I felt like the Lord was speaking to me. Like he gave me nothing new and it was wonderfully mission giving. He gave me nothing new and it was wonderful mission. He gave me nothing new and it was wonderfully mission giving. He whispered in my ear, he's like, you know that, that church you pastor, Trinity? Just love him well. Okay, but don't you want me to do something new, big and flashy and whatever like that? Be a daddy, take care of your family, take care of that family, take care of this family. And just wait. Be active doing that while you wait for a different thing, whatever it might be. So did you know one of the really important parts of following the Spirit is opening your eyes to what the Spirit has already given to you. The job, I mean, it could be as simple as you're a high school student. God has given you high school. Boo, no, yay. Boo, yay, yay, boo. I don't know, somewhere in the middle, right? You can do the mission of God there. Where I saw, I thought I saw uh, William Bales. Is he here today? I thought I saw him. Can you not have purpose in the high schools? 
he works in the high schools. He does crew. They're, you guys are amazing. You too. And both of you do. Grace and I love you both. Like you can be in the high schools and do amazing things for the kingdom. Wherever you're at, whatever you do, what has he already put before you? Ask God, open my eyes to it and let me be faithful to it. Just show me. So on your next steps card, if you would pull your next steps card out, I need to be done here this morning. But if you would get your next steps card, at least move around. Like I know some of you are like, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. Just if you would, just to be nice to me, like pull it out and like shake it around a little bit. So I think you're pulling it out. That makes me feel good about myself. All right, just pull the next steps card out and let me ask this question. Let me ask this question, okay? Let me just ask this question. Is there a place? of continued obedience. I just want to stop on that idea. Is there a place of continued obedience that the Holy Spirit is just making you aware of? Like, oh yeah, I'm a dad. I'm a mom. My current workplace. My current place of whatever, right? Like where I go to school. The friends that I already have. Is there a place of continued obedience that you just literally need to write down? This is where I'm currently at and I feel like the Spirit wants me to just see it again. (laughs) Be faithful to it. And I would encourage you, take the time to write that down. You don't need new and flashy to be deeply obedient. Is there a place of continued obedience And yes, is there a place where the Holy Spirit is pulling your heart towards something new or different? And then you're literally just write it down. And then all I want you to do, continued obedience or a place of new obedience or both. And then all I want you to do is I just want you to put your hand on it and go, Spirit, make a way and speak to me. I just want to be faithful. Just ask the Spirit to move and he will do all the things that we talked about. He's faithful. Let your heart be willing to receive his faithfulness in the things he's already given you and a new thing that he might be putting before you. It's all you're doing. Take time right before the Lord. Go. Hey, I love that I get to be your pastor, by the way. It's so fun. You guys are the best. I'm so proud of you. And I really do believe that God does want to do a great work in your life specifically. And so take the time, go before God, ask the Spirit to speak to you. He desires to speak to you. Go ahead and write.